You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. One of the most far-reaching evolutions in the area of mental and behavioral health over the past several years has been the discussion regarding the concept of gender diversity and the implications for those who treat and care for gender-diverse individuals in our society. To review this issue and what to expect in the future, we have with us on the podcast Jana Finocchio, Senior Clinician at Kids Pieces Residential Treatment Program in Pennsylvania, and Dr. Ashley Anderson, Medical Director of Kids Pieces Residential and Community Programs. Welcome to you both, and happy belated New Year. Well, thank you. Happy thank New you, Year, Bob. Bob. All right. Jana, let's start understanding our terms. What is the current definition of gender diverse? So gender diverse is a term that I like to use because I think it is more um, inclusionary of a lot of different people. Typically when we talk about gender diverse, we're talking about both transgender people, so people who do not identify with their assigned sex at birth. But we're also talking about people that kind of fall into that middle category also of non-binary, gender neutral, gender fluid, um, which I find in practice just anecdotally, there's just such an increase in kids that present in those kind of middle, middle categories nowadays. So gender diverse to me is more of an umbrella term where I can capture all of that. And, I, and we're really just talking about, again, people who for who, whatever they identify as do not identif- identify as their assigned sex at birth. And we talk a lot about, you know, there, there was the binary view of it as well, this, this or that. Man and woman. Man and woman. And instead of just coming up with a, a third sort of poll, right. you're talking about this spectrum Yeah, and more than a spectrum, because I think there was this this push from going to a binary to going to a spectrum. But I think even more than that, now we're looking more at like a like a gender satellite. So even spectrum, in my opinion, kind of gives you the impression that we're moving from one towards another. So every step in between is still either directly in the middle or closer to one or the other. But what about people who identify as both man and woman or neither man nor woman? So we can't fall in the middle in those situations. So it's really like. There's just infinite combinations of people's gender, gender expression, gender identity. It blows my mind. Yeah. It's very, it's fluid. That phrase comes up a lot, and I think that's a really good one. Yeah. Now, my understanding, and you and I had a quick conversation about this before before we went on, but I've heard that the psychiatric community has made a subtle but important difference in how it views gender diversity, gender fluidity, Mm -hmm. in terms of clinical diagnoses. Can Mm -hmm. you explain that? Yes. So the gender, uh, the diagnosis that we had in the DSM-4 was uh, gender identity disorder. And we were stuck with that for a long time. And there were a ton of groups that were making big pushes to get away from that. Because what you're ultimately saying is if I have a gender identity disorder, then there's something wrong with my identity. My identity is disordered inherently. So the, the criteria to meet that diagnosis was essentially if you identify as trans or gender diverse then you meet criteria and what we're saying is it's not wrong to be trans I mean there's no evidence or research nowadays that suggests that so we made this big push the DSM-5 comes out and now we have um, two diagnoses Um, one is uh, gender dysphoria in adolescents and one is gender dysphoria in adults 
And gender dysphoria is really only, the only thing that you're meeting criteria for is if you have this very clinically significant distress associated with the fact that you don't identify with your your assigned sex at birth. So we're no longer treating the fact that you are trans. We're only treating this distress and discomfort that is clinically significant and has a lot of co-occurring mental health disorders, depression, anxiety with it. So I guess the big push now and, and the significance in that is that we're no longer saying that every trans person meets criteria in a psychiatric way, right. which is excellent. Right. I, I want to pose a question to both of you. Um, how, how do your professionals in the field, how do you recognize that a, a client is gender diverse? They tell us. They tell Bob. You. And how do they, I <laughs> yeah. mean, do they just say, this is how I feel? Or is it some, or do you have to basically probe with them? It's hard now. I, yeah. You know, I think nowadays it's kind of a, st- I mean, in your evaluations, it's probably, I mean, you, you ask, how do you identify, you know, do you identify mm-hmm. male, female, who, you know, who are you attracted to, things like that. So I think sometimes it's just, it's just generally a conversation. It's not some sort of, you know, pointed stigmatizing question, but I think as... Or, or some sort of aha moment that, right. that as a therapist or... when we sometimes, see the kids, yeah. you know, they're old. I mean, we, we primarily deal with a little bit older kids, you know, so adolescents. So it's it's maybe not a new thing for them, but maybe something that they feel, maybe something that they've never even told their parents, um, something that they're maybe just telling us now because they feel like it's a safe space for them to do that. Um, but so. m- more importantly, I think I think it's important to note this. there's this idea that people in society can literally like be sitting on a train and like pick out the trans people. Like that's mm-hmm. not true. Because gender by nature is self-report. So I, you can be looking at, well, I'm probably a bad example, but you can look at Dr. Anderson <laughs> anytime and be like, that is a woman. But technically you'd be wrong because only she can tell you what her gender is. Gender is like this internal sense of self. I w- we can all agree that her gender expression is very feminine. So in most cases, the way that a person presents externally m- matches. But what we're saying here is that in a lot of cases it doesn't, especially with these middle presentations. So you might look at another person and say, oh, you appear to be feminine. I imagine that you're a woman. And they could be like, mm, that's wrong and that's offensive to me. You didn't ask me and only I can tell you. So in terms of what we see in care, I guess there are some things that you would see in young children, and you could probably speak to this really young children who maybe don't have the verbal or cognitive ability to tell you. So they're engaging in a lot of cross-gender play. They really want to wear cross-gender clothing. They have a lot of friends of the opposite um, gender than you would expect for a young boy or a young girl. And usually they're very like dissociated or or, uh, angry about their body parts. So there's some things you could see. But in our age group where you're talking about like – adolescents and older a lot of times they're coming up and they're telling you like i'm i'm struggling with this with these issues but you're right a lot of times at least at kids at at least as a mental health provider we're checking a box almost always when we meet them where we're asking and i also think too when we're doing our history and getting the reason for their admission oftentimes they will have symptoms they will be depressed anxious and sometimes they will just tell us and say you know i'm really struggling this with because i'm you know i'm gay or i'm identifying as this and my parents aren't supportive of me or so and so is not supportive yeah. of me or i haven't told anyone that so they will have a symptom which then leads to them endorsing and, and their- i think that's that goes to the other the next question i had which was the challenges that 
the these um, these di- the, these issues raise when you're um, addressing the needs, the mental and behavioral health needs of the client. It sounds like you know you, you made a very good point, John, about the younger kids. It's not that they don't want to share; they mm-hmm. just don't have the the verbal or the, mm. the cognitive understanding yeah. of what of what these very serious or very complicated issues are for them yeah. as they get older they you do know, have that yeah so I, I think I would because I live this every day right. so and I think this is kind of a good segue I'm not sure if right. this is kind of next on the agenda but um our six years old um assigned gender at birth he's a male um so I, I still refer to him as male and will throughout this um you know throughout the podcast but so i i actually think that they express it in just a very concrete matter of fact way because that's all they know you know that's right. all they know people ask me this that you know he was not i don't even want to say not typical because he's an incredibly smart, typically developing, wonderful child. But since he could make a conscious decision at, you know, two, two and a half, we, my husband and I can, dis- we distinctly recall when, you know, he would just, you take him to Target, he goes right for the princess stuff. He's really never had an affinity for, you know, what you call boy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's really always preferred princesses dresses he loves you know he's six like I said and so now he loves makeup he loves nails he's we're growing his hair out and he goes I want real long hair so since we could remember and since he could really make a decision on his own he's really always preferred female type but it's it's also it's one of those things where you talk about kids in so many different places kids are just they don't have sort of the crust of societal expectations around them they're just yeah. completely honest yeah. and they're basically they're well, they're it, not they don't have that problem I no mean, and, and and so people will often ask my, my husband and i they'll say you know get him therapy for this and granted i'm sure that down the road as he gets a little bit more sophisticated in his thought process and there are more outside influences and you know kids at six years old are very kind kids six years old are very kind and you know unfortunately as kids progress you know sometimes that changes so I'm sure that will be down the road but I'm like we both are he is so incredibly happy so there's really nothing to talk about I mean he's happy he wears you know he wears dresses every single day and we're absolutely supportive of that because who are we to tell him so we're in an interesting situation because we have a boy and a girl. And um, so he, I, I think he was about th- maybe four. I think he was about, um, yeah, I think he was about four. And he would, up until then, he would wear, you know, sort of boy clothes to school. And then one day he said to us, we had a back to school night for him. He said, mom, I want to wear a dress. And I thought, oh, because we would let him do whatever he wants in the house, right, right, you know. Right. Um, and then he said, mom, I want to wear a dress. And I thought, Oh, God. Is it? Okay. So, you know, I said to Colin, I said said to my husband, I said, so what do we do? He wants to wear a dress. We let him wear a dress in the house. And I said, who are we to tell him what he can and can't wear out of the house? I mean, you know, within what's appropriate. There are some appropriate things, but yeah. So we were going to a back to school night and it was a very supportive environment of, you know, people who knew him and knew us. And so we let him do it and not one single Colin and I were a nervous wreck not because we cared because we are incredibly supportive of him because Mm -hmm. but we know what other you know we can't control other people and so I just said oh 
please God, let, I, I hope no one says anything because he was so happy. I mean, you could just see, the, it was joy in its like purest, most wonderful form. And he was so happy to show everyone his dress. And there's not one, there is no way that we could deny him mm-hmm. of that. So, And I just want to say for the sake of the podcast, because I know you and maybe some people listening do not, but the reason that you're referring to and him still is not because you're like in denial and misgendering him because she's not. Um, but that's just the kind of the stage of development. It's like, no, I need you to call me Shanner and I need you to call me. So <laughs> I, I, I get the sense that you and Colin are just kind of writing it out, which is what you should do. I was going to say, isn't isn't that like sort of the best yes. advice is to basically say, you, you know, you know how to do it because you love your child. You you want to be supportive of them. You you want to be supportive of clients and the Absolutely. Go, go with it, kind of. And this is what, and so this is, um, it's funny that you say that because I tend to be someone who sort of likes to have control of situations. Shocking, I know. Um, <laughs> and so, um, somewhere so, across Kidspeace, everybody is nodding their heads. Yes, 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 they are. Yes, they are. Um, so, you know, I, I really, and and I think as a parent, and I'm I'm solely speaking of this from a parent perspective, but I think you know. It's inherent that in, and this is probably going to come off really, really, really insensitive, but it just bear with me. You know, as a parent, you always want to fix things for your kids. You know what I mean? You want it, whether it's, you know, a, a bruise or whatever, you know, so I thought, you know, as this progressed and we were kind of out of the point where we were like, oh, this is a phase because everybody has, you know, there are boys that wear their mom's high heels. You know, you hear about that and we heard that like, oh, this is a phase. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, so I think it's it's inherent that you want to fix things for your kids. So we thought like, okay, you know, you go through the normal motions of like, okay, we'll make him wear boy clothes and we'll do this and we'll do this. We'll do this. And then it just kind of got to the point where it was not, you know, there was, this was not a fix nor would we want to do it. And we really just, um, Colin and I, and I am, I, I have to say, shout out to my husband because he is an incredibly supportive, wonderful, understanding man because that's what I often get to is, how is your husband with this? Because he's one of four boys, grow, grew up very, you know, in a very sort of- You go, Colin. You know, yeah, you're doing you, it, Love Colin. you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, he and, and, you know, his brothers have boys, you know, who often, you know, are throwing footballs and doing stuff. And, and Colin is that he is a rock. I mean, he is a rock and he is so supportive. I said, Ashley, because, you know, he's known me for a long time. And, you know, I'm kind of like, what are we going to do? He said, Ashley, just along for the ride. So let him tell us. Gender journey. Yep. And he said, let him tell us. And then at that point, I was like, you... Thank you. It was like, you know, if, if, if you've ever had an aha moment in your life, I'm like, okay. And it was like a huge weight was lifted. Um, I, I, I liked when you started talking about, you know, the parent wanting to fix it. Because it goes to one of the questions, John, I wanted to, we talked about, yeah. which is how, how do you avoid, I guess the term is pathologizing the situation, you know, by saying, oh, I want to fix this or I want and I you know parents are as well I think it's I think you know you you I think very art you know very articulately design you know read out what that is and and again a big shout out to Colin we want to make sure that but I'm thinking I'm thinking that you know (laughs) 
we have we have people who are in the uh, mental health field, but we also have people who are dealing with kids like in a educational situation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we know it's an issue. So by saying, you know, your example before was, if I say I want to help you through this issue, am I drawing attention to the fact that there's an issue? Yeah. But, you know, like you, you, we just, ha- we just talked about this outside. Your family doesn't see it as an issue, but you're also planning five steps ahead because what if somebody, when he gets older, treats him this way? Or what if he gets hurt? Or what if, so it is an issue, but it's not our issue. It's like a larger society issue. And it would be irresponsible for us as parents and as mental health professionals not to prepare a person for that. It is an issue, unfortunately. And until everybody gets on board, you might have to be a little bit more vigilant when you're out. At this from a societal point of view, because I I think we all remember um, the debates in the public sphere a few years ago over transgender rights. And yeah, What I put it is oftentimes understanding took a back seat to anger and far too many times mockery of the gender diverse. Sure. What are some ways coming off what you just said that we can learn as a society to view gender diversity in a positive and affirming way? Elect um, socially aware and ethical politicians into office is the first way we can do that because gender and transgender rights have taken a decidedly negative turn over the last few years in all spheres. Um, But generally, what's really taking precedence right now is this gender-affirming model of care. So we've done a training on that here, but you can do this in your families, you can do this in schools, in, in facilities. And what that says is that we are going to not pathologize any expression of gender, and that our main goal is to help a person to live in the gender role that feels the most real and comfortable to them, no matter how uncomfortable it makes other people. And what it also does is it it puts an emphasis on parents being more su- supportive and emotionally available along this ride of this gender journey. Because what they're finding is, despite, and I love this, despite the fact that there used to be and and continue to be a lot of studies that show that there are negative outcomes for trans people. So they are at an infinitely increased risk for things like suicide, homicide, and also, you know, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, homelessness, joblessness. There are now studies that show at least they're beginning to have some some studies of younger children that show that with the right support and with the right, um, I don't even want to say service cause, services because they don't necessarily need services, but if they have these strong social supports and resources, they have just as positive outcomes as other kids. So they did these studies where they um, took a bunch of like prepubertal, that were identifying as gender diverse or trans, and they compared them to their cisgender, um, which is you know, they identify, they were born as a female, they identify, identify as female. how they were born, yes. They took a bunch of these, uh, a control group that was cisgender counterparts and a control group that was their siblings. And they found that they did not rate higher, these gender diverse kids did not rate higher on depression scales. They did not rate um, higher on having lower self-worth compared to these other kids. And only very marginally did they rate a little bit higher and on anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that is such promising research. And those were kids that had socially transitioned before puberty with their family support. So what we're seeing is if we can be supportive, and there's a big piece of this because you don't know how much time Dr. Anderson spends advocating for her kid in the community at their schools, school shopping. That's one of the most important things you can do is to go to schools and say, are you ready for this? Because here's what I expect as a parent. I expect you not to put my kid in this gender box or in this gender box. Diagnosis because his parents are so supportive and are so intelligent. Recognize that the that the 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 
potentially destructive influences are coming really from the outside. Absolutely. Whereas in, in the past, our, our idea might have been, well, this was something, like you say, they, they have a, uh, a greater, higher, higher, because of this, yeah. as opposed to, it's because of when where, we, yeah. where the society is coming right. from. And when we change our mind as a society, back when, when, so if it's acceptable for mental health professionals to say there's something wrong with your gender identity, then it's acceptable for society as a whole to think there's something wrong with trans people. So as we shift our focus, our hope is that society shifts a little bit too. And that makes it easier, obviously, for kids to not you know, fall into this minority stress category. So minority stress is one of the things that we contribute to these really poor mental health outcomes because that's bad. And actually there's some research uh, on topic, but a little bit. There's some research that actually DBT is like a good intervention for, for yeah, trans. DBT is... Dialectical behavior therapy. So we see, we usually think about DBT as being used for like borderline personality and other character pathology, but we use it for other things too. And basically, the reason why we might use that in this situation is because one of the foundations of DBT is that a person really loses the ability to self regulate in um, like in supportive environments, in validating environments. So, yeah, that's absolutely true. Bring a kid up in a situation where nobody will validate their experience, and they, their head, their heads explode. It's crazy. Right. Well, again, that's how they are. You know, how you how you tender uh, you tend the garden of their yeah. of their development, their minds, and their spirit. And if you do it in a, a horribly unsupportive way, you're not going to get what you're planting. Support. I think support is the message here. I mean, it's. I mean, if if there's anything out of this, anything out of this podcast, it is support, 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 support. But I want to say, because we talked about this right outside, because like I said, Dr. Anderson and I talk about this like several times a week. This is a perfect storm. That's why we knew we were going to hit it out of the park. So, but because we practice so much. But um, I had said, you know, you're a very successful mental health professional, obviously, and a psychiatrist and, uh, you know, what is your title these days VP I think you're a very important Vice person president. Yes. but even then in within our community I do think there's still some semblance of stigma and I said you know like do you probably not anymore but in at least at first was it difficult for even somebody like you to be okay telling other people well actually my kid is oh. trans absolute I mean yeah. it was it was incredibly difficult for us because we are very I mean we're pretty like boring, typical people, my husband and I, you know, so, and I often tell this story is that, you know, when, when, when I was pregnant with him, it was like, oh my God, you know, please don't let him have cancer. Please don't, you know, you yeah. think about all of these things when you're pregnant and, you know, all I prayed for, uh, all we prayed for was let's just have a happy, healthy kid. Let's yeah. just have a happy, healthy kid. And that is exactly what we got. And we have both had to do a lot of self-reflection and just really shifting our focus because you tend to get in a place where at least for us and I know I've talked to other parents of trans kids who um you know who we all have kind of different experiences but I would say in general it's it's you know it's some most things are similar or some things are similar and you know you get into that mindset of like okay uh, we the, it, of thinking that it is an issue mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, and there's something that you have to fix or something that you have to right. do about it. And it's just not the case. I mean, these are just nor like they are typical children. The only thing that is different, he wears a dress. And so I felt 
when you know when we were looking for schools. So he was in um, a Montessori school his his whole life, which is. I could go on for hours about that, but it was an incredibly supportive, wonderful, nurturing environment, and it was amazing. And then we got to the world of kindergarten, where we're like, all right, you yeah. know, so this is, you know, it's kindergarten, you know. So um, we did, um, we had looked at, at several places, and um, places that actually, you know, some places were not as supportive as others. Um, and so it was, but I felt, and, and I kind of had this internal struggle because I, I thought, do I need to say something? You know, do I need to say something? Because really, he's a boy in a dress, which I think in our situation brings about a lot of, um, you know, you would never have to give an explanation for a girl in pants. Never. Right. So a boy in a dress is like this, oh my gosh, it's a boy in a dress. What are we going to do? You know, so it's mm-hmm. just like this hugely, I guess, like stigmatizing, you know, thing. And I'm like, Okay, so I felt like I needed to give the schools that we were looking at a heads up. So, um, and maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. We're I'm all learning. You know, we're still learning, and we learn every single day. So I, I think did. You yeah. So I did do that because it's you know it's confusing. You know, so I think he's a girl. Most people mm-hmm. think he's a girl. And so anyway, so we, um, so, so I, I did give a heads up, and actually, two schools in the area, um, one already has a gender neutral uniform policy, like students may wear, you know, pants, students may wear a jumper, and um, the other school actually changed their uniform policy. We need to update our policy. And so for the most part, we have felt an incredible amount of support from the community here, which I think is huge because we're learning and we look to, you know, we look for resources. We look for help. This is why I talk to Jana on a daily basis, like, help me, help me. What am I doing? What should I be doing? And so I think it's, um, I, I say, you know, I've been in school for a long, long, long time. And I always, life. always say, <laughs> half my life. And I always say, gift who I think is going to do really, really great things. And I fear, and, and one of the things that I've heard from a lot of parents of trans kids is that um, they, you research, you know what I mean? Any, any parent, you're like, okay, what am I doing? You do your research, you get a, a decent knowledge base. And there's an incredible suicide, there's an incredibly high suicide rate in trans kids. And so I think you go through a process of kind of like, okay, so this is what it's going to be. You kind of go through the acceptance process of like, all right, this is, this is my kid. This is what we're going to do. How can we support him? And everybody said, I want an alive child. I just want mm-hmm. an alive child. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think yeah. that's the point. And that really hits home with you. You know, it really hits home with you. I mean, again, boil down this great conversation we have. It really is. It is support, support, support. Yeah. And it is understanding that there are um, th- these gender diverse individuals are individuals. They. I, I've always loved the comment that Carrie Fisher made about her um, her struggles with bipolar. Yeah. And she said, I'm bipolar. I'm left-handed. I can sing. I can't dance. These are things that are part mm-hmm. of yeah. me and they are not defining me. Yeah, absolutely. This. And I think yeah. that's, and, and being that supportive and, and following their lead and being able to put that aside, that very reasonable parent of, mm-hmm. I'm going to protect, I'm going to fix, I'm going to yeah. pave the way to say, this is their journey and they they will take us on it, yep. and we will be supportive of what they're doing. Support is very important, and also I think there's a lot of research to suggest that it's very harmful 
harmful for a child to pressure them to conform to a gender role. So like you said, like initially we were like, you can't wear that dress to school. You have to do this. And then eventually it turns into these devastating tantrums. And this is what John and I were just talking about this before we came in. And she kind of asked me, she said, well, was there a moment for you, you know, when when you and Colin kind of realized that, okay. And I mean, honestly, chill kid. He's not like, I mean, he's a kid, so he has his tantrums, you know. Uh, He also is my son, so, you know, whatever. Um, So he's going to come with some stuff. Um, But anyway, um, it got to the point where when we would ask him to put on, you know, what he thought were boy clothes, he would lose his mind. Kicking, screaming, way out of character for him. Something like if you would take a child's favorite toy, favorite blanket, something, and you could, I mean, for us, and this is going to sound so extreme, but it's like we were taking away his identity. I mean, yeah. we really were taking away his identity. And and then it's like, who am I? Who cares? Who cares if the kid wants to wear a dress? I, I just feel like when it's a, uh, when it's male to female, I just feel like there's so much yeah. more excitement or but judgment then, about it. Eventually you realize you're just causing so much oh, psychic pain you couldn't it's, imagine. Right. And, it's, and, and as a parent, it's like, you know, you, you really have to choose your battles. So we're like, do Godspeed to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. whatever yeah. you want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were warned when we set this up with you guys, that I was going to have to stop us in the middle of something, and I'm going to have to stop us in no, the middle of this. No, I knew it. This this. Could... We just knew this was going on, and we will have you guys back. Listen, um, we're open listen. to be picked up by any of the local yeah. news. Yeah, <laughs> and listen. We'll go on for now. We can give we'll you a lot of yeah. tape. Roll tape on that. Well, we, we end each of our conversations by asking our guests for a life hack. This can be a piece of advice, some inspiration, maybe a tip on how to do something around the house better, whatever. So, John, let's start with you. What's your life hack today? All right. One normal one, one not so normal one. One, we've already said this, so it's not a life hack. If you're unsure of a person's pronouns, I think you should just ask. Most people are not offended these days. If you ask them what their pronouns are, that's the most respectful kind of ethical thing you could do. Another one, I hope you guys don't know this. You know when you're eating a cupcake and you take the bottom off of it and you put it on top and then the icing's in the middle, then you don't get icing in your teeth when you bite into it. Wow. Don't my, look at mom's face. I hope All I blew your right. mind. Mom's going to see you this. I'm holding it. I'm holding it. And I like the part that's the part that's in sort of like the little cup yeah. or whatever. I take so it off. You take it off. Put, you it, put on it on top where the icing then is. Then there's still a little bit of cake under the icing. Right. And then there's cake on top. top. You eat it like, it's like a, a sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. It and then when like you bite into it, you know, the icing doesn't get in your teeth. And also it's delicious. People look around and they're like, that's a cool thing she's doing. <laughs> a cupcake a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> yeah. John All right. Pinocchio. That is, John that is a, that's a, that's a heavy thing to follow, but I'm going to I know you should have started with her. This is not a life hack, and I just have to tell you in the interest of full disclosure, I've done one of these podcasts before, and Bob always asks. He does give you a wonderful heads up about the topics and always does ask for a life hack, and I never have one. <laughs> and I often Google them before these, so listen, I'm sorry, but I'm a really honest person. However... Probably most of you know this, and I'm slightly embarrassed to say that I didn't know this, but my family, um, not like anybody wants to know this, but I'm going to tell you, we all just had norovirus, and so you know where you're barfing, and I wanted to (laughs) let everybody know that norovirus is not killed by Lysol wipes, or Lysol wipes, Clorox wipes, you need bleach or hydrogen peroxide, which are readily available. So Clorox bleach, you can use that. Hydrogen peroxide readily available on Amazon. But please do yourselves a favor and get bleach and hydrogen peroxide. Yes, Bob. No, I'm 
I'm I'm still uh, marveling that we made it all the way through one year of these podcasts and no one used the term barfing before his. This so. could well, leave it to Anderson. Pick a word. It's leave it to me. Disgusting. <laughs> You can edit it out. Sorry, vomiting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're absolutely not going to edit it out. <laughs> Dr. Ashley Anderson is medical director of Kids Vice Pieces President Residential. Vice, uh, Vice President. President and medical director, my apologies. <laughs> uh, medical affairs. Of residential community programs here at Kids Peace. Jonna Finocchio is a senior clinician in our residential treatment program in our and Pennsylvania And just generally operators. awesome. And just generally, generally awesome. It sounds so in, um, just, just not... Uh, enough to say, but thank you for a great discussion. Thanks for having wonderful. us, Bob. Part two, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Um, yeah, stay tuned for part two. We'll let you know. Well, as you can tell, we are very excited to be back for another year of conversations and insights with our folks here at Kids Peace. If you have enjoyed our discussion, please share and recommend this podcast on your social media feeds. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, uh, complaints, whatever, please go to kidspeace.org. Click on the Contact Us tab to share those insights with us. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is produced by Robbie Allred. I'm Bob Martin. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having you join us again for more Conversations with Kids Peace. Take care. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions about our Conversations podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.kidspeace.org to learn more about the series and share your thoughts.